If you've got your scriptures here this morning, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to get to that in just a second. They're in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> and before we get going this morning, let's bow forward for Heavenly Father, we cannot praise you enough for this uh, beautiful day. Uh, Lord, you are constantly reminding us uh, of your power and your strength. I just think of the winds yesterday, uh, just a reminder that uh, you are in control and we are not. And uh, Lord, we thank you for this time that we can gather. We thank you for this amazing song that is a reminder of your love for the church and that you've called the church your bride. So Lord, be with us this morning as we get into your word. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Here's something that is hard to believe. Four weeks from today, anybody know what that is other than May 1st? It is our one-year anniversary. Let's give it up for the West. Okay. So behind the scenes, throughout the last few weeks especially, people have kind of asked me, like, if I want to join the church or I want to be a member of the church, how does that work? And so these next two Sundays, what we're going to talk about is God's perspective of the church, not just the West Side Church, the church. Because I think that's the most important question you should always start with, is not just joining a specific church, but to understand what does God think about the church. Because when you become a part of a church, uh, it should change your life. And so we're going to talk about that for the next couple of weeks. And there's two powerful metaphors that God uses to communicate to us how much he loves us, the church. And the first one is that of a bride. Follow with me in Revelation 21, 1 and 2, and I'll read that for you. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, for God prepared as what? A bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Isaiah 54, 5 says this, for you are the maker, is your husband, the Lord of hosts, in his name it is holy. One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God. The whole earth is called. God loves us as a bride. Now, I can tell you, uh, as a minister being in this uh, for over 30 years, my perspective of the bride has changed over 30 years. Uh, the first is, I, I'd like you to see this. This is a, uh, back in the day. Oh, check this out. Look at that. Check that bad boy out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how many, how many of you here were married in the 80s? Okay, we should all feel sorry for ourselves. I mean, uh, big hair, and I look like a toy soldier. Am I wrong? But look at Marie. Look how high up she is above me. That has not changed. Okay, so, matter of fact, here's my advice for any guy that's considering getting married here this morning. Uh, marry over your head. That is the key to life. Marry over your head. And that was an amazing day. We have so many memories. Our, our kids actually the other day got the, the wedding album out, and they started going through all that. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just one of the, the coolest things. And then my perspective being a minister, it was interesting being a part of a lot of weddings. And this was a setup before a wedding here. Actually, it was uh, Easter weekend. I had a, uh, a wedding at IU Auditorium, pretty, pretty nice little uh, place there. And uh, so I took a picture of this particular area, and I want you to uh, know what's going to happen here is when the bride comes down in IU Auditorium, and this is why they love to get married there, is they come down this huge staircase without their dad first. It's just the bride, and then the, the father meets them at the, the bottom of the staircase, and then they make their way down. 
But years ago, I started a tradition, and I did this again, is everybody turns around and they watch the bride. I seldom watch the bride. I always watch the groom. Because it does, like the, this last wing, this is a big 6'2", husky guy, same thing, tears, you know, you know, the dad, tears, checking his wallet. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's an amazing experience, but it's a different perspective. And just when I thought I'd, I have experienced all that the bride could bring, uh, last year, April 18th, 2015, as Jeff mentioned, I walked my daughter, Rachel, down. Now, they have this tradition that, honestly, I don't like. They've just started that recently, and that is the dad gets to see the bride before he walks her down. I think they call it the first view. And so this is a couple of pictures of me with my daughter, and right after that, we both lost it. And she's mad at me. She's like, you're messing my makeup up. And I'm like, hey, talk anymore. You know, so it, just, it was just heart-wrenching. And then I, I went and punched the husband. It was just a bad thing. But anyway, <laughs> uh, perspectives change. But there's one thing about all of us, whether we're married or not, we all know when God says, I love you like the bride, then you need to know all of us here today. You may have came here and you're, your tank is empty this morning. You need to know just how deeply God loves you. Every one of us in this room, you are a part of his church, and he loves you. In Ephesians 5, it is a powerful text, but as I studied it more, I realized that for years and years and years, I thought Ephesians 5 was, and it's always been called the marriage text. We pull a lot of marriage lessons. And then I realized that when Paul wrote this, he was using this for a metaphor to demonstrate how much God loves us. There's some interesting points. There's some great points on marriage, but that wasn't the purpose. His primary purpose was, I want you to know how much I love the church. And so he used the metaphor of, in that culture, he said, here's the marriage metaphor. And so he pulled out these powerful words that we all understand. There were words like submission. And when he talks about submission, he's talking about serving one another, that Jesus served us. He talks about love, but not the love like the world understands. It's unconditional love. No strings attached love. It's respect. Respect motivated by the grace of God, not by fear. And it's time. Priceless time. And as you read through that, you begin to understand, wow, God really does love us. Everybody here, you need to realize how desperately he loves us. In fact, in Ephesians 5, if you're taking notes, verse 23, 24, 25, 27, 29, and 32, all say the church, the church, the church. It's like God is just saying, oh, you don't get it? The church, the church. He just keeps reminding us. Think about your thoughts of a bride. Think about that love. Now, that's God's love for you. There's one thing that a lot of us can relate to if you've ever been through uh, this experience, and that was uh, the engagement ring. You all remember that? And you'd give that engagement ring, and it was amazing. Matter of fact, I got to be honest, I'm kind of glad I'm not young enough to be engaged now, because, man, it is like a huge show now. Have you noticed that? They have this huge, they have to come up with this game plan, they video it. Wow. You know, I, I was just glad to say, you know, will you marry me? And I talked to her dad and he got out his gun. I mean, it was all very simple. But I want you to think about that engagement ring. And if you, if 
you guys all remember that, if you went into the jeweler, and this was something Tom Ellsworth shared, and I, I love this. You go into a jeweler, and what happens is they take that ring out, and it looks nice, and then what's the very first thing they do? They take this amazing light, almost like a laser light, so it just starts to glitter. But they don't just do that. What do they set the ring on? This black velvet. They make that ring pop, you know. Uh, they make your wallet pop. I mean, they're just saying, look at this ring, okay? Now, I think it's amazing that they put it on the black velvet because I think what they're showing us is, look how this radiates amongst the black of this velvet. And I think that's what God says to every one of us. Hey, when you're the church, you should radiate in a world that is really dark. And would you agree that we live in a pretty dark, painful world? Uh, this week, I had a funeral for a 15-year-old young man. And uh, I sat literally 15 feet uh, from the family, and he has two little brothers. And I watched these little guys try to keep it together. There's something about little boys and ties that always just tug at my heart. And I watched this little brother just completely lose it. I also know, and you know, uh, there's evil in this world. And the news is dominated, and all of us have been dominated by the news of uh, the little baby and and we just think, oh, my land, your hearts just break. And we know that there's always around every corner the potential for absolute evil. But you know what we also know? Around every corner there's the potential for absolute good. And God reigns. God is in control. God will protect us. God is with us. And God loves us and he cherishes us. It's been said, don't worry God is never blind to your tears. He's never deaf to your prayers. He's never silent to your pain. He sees, he hears, and he will deliver. God is with us. God will protect us. Now, I want to share with you a hypothetical, uh, but I want to see how the fathers here would react with this hypothetical situation. Uh, let's say a year ago, I'm walking my beautiful daughter, Rachel, uh, down the aisle. And halfway down the aisle, there's a guy who just doesn't like me at all, just can't stand me. And he gets up with a polar pop-sized cup of mud, and he throws that on my daughter's dress. How would I react in the next 60 seconds? Not good. How would the fathers here react? Stan probably wouldn't recognize me as the pastor of the West Side. You know what I'm saying? It's going to get ugly. But you know, as soon as I take him down, right behind me, guess who's right behind me? The groom. The groom's coming. And you know who's right behind him? Her brother. And then the whole set, I mean, it would just, well, you can tell the photographer would be like, oh, man, this is awesome. You know, they may shoot. But our hearts, even to hear that, even when I thought about that, boy, my heart started to race. You know how God cares for us and protects us when people start throwing mud at the church? And does it hurt God? It hurts God when you hurt because you're his bride. He loves you. And the church isn't always perfect, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be anywhere else than to be with the church moving towards God because God is always moving towards us. He loves the church. He wants to protect the church. He's always with us. I've asked Claudia if she would come up and share a perspective of God's love for us and this imagery of the bride. So, Claudia. Good morning. 
Well, I think you're going to see a picture of Ken and I up there. Getting There we are. Oh, my goodness. We haven't changed much, have we? I, I still have bangs. <laughs> and my heart still skips a beat when Ken walks in the door. And even if he did put on Facebook yesterday that he turned 70, I'm much younger than he is. Every time I think about weddings or brides, I think about my friend, Lynn Azeltine. She um, was a big, tall girl. We grew up together in high school, and she was over six feet tall, and um, my, one of my best friends. But she's a, a big girl, a tall girl. She grew up to be um, very independent and a committed feminist. And we would have lunch together frequently. Her, her best friend, his name was Ted. Ted was a small guy with wire-rimmed wire glasses, kind of a wiry little guy. And he was a computer processor for a large company. And together, they looked like Mutt and Jeff. <laughs> but we would have dinner with him, Ken and I. And one day, I asked Lynn about Ted. I said, Lynn, um, is there anything romantic between you two? Because you're sure together a lot. She said, absolutely not. There would never be anything romantic. Well, a few months passed by, and Lynn um, and Ken and Ted and I had lunch again. And Ted left early. And Ken and I were feeling a little nauseous during the dinner because they began calling each other names, like Ted called Lynn Baby Doll, <laughs> and Precious, and she called Ted Honey Bunny, and Smoochy Cooch, <laughs> and Ken and I are, oh my gosh. So when Ted left, I said to Lynn, what's changed? Something has changed, and her total countenance changed when she whispered the words to me, somebody loves me. When somebody loves you, everything changed. It changed in an instant. Those words are so powerful. Ken and I were at their wedding, and we held our breath when Ted actually picked Lynn up and carried her to the car. It was a miracle. When we read Paul's words in Ephesians 5 about marriage, if we just see it as a bride and groom, we miss the point. Because deep in our hearts, we're all that little girl bride, aren't we? And we're all that little boy groom waiting to know somebody loves us. So Paul uses this beautiful picture of marriage to remind you and I how much God loves us how much God loves the church. And just in case you're feeling a bit unlovable today, or like Ken and I, maybe feeling old, anybody feeling old, anybody feeling tired, anybody feeling worn out? If you are, will you say, me too? Oh, good, it's not just me. Just in case you are, remember, we're the church, you and I. We're the bride, we're the groom, we're the church, we're the one Jesus loves. Those words, somebody loves you, are so incredible. My first graders, I don't know if Kelly's here, if she is. Kelly, you know, once a teacher, always a teacher. Once a teacher, always a teacher. My first graders wrote a book years ago called Somebody Loves You, and I've asked two of my favorite people, would you bring it up, to um, come up and hold this book so you can see it. I think it's, oh, good, it's going to come up here. You can see the illustrations are so good. But they're going to hold it so I can read it to you. So, Reese, you come over here. There, that's great. 
When somebody loves you, you get lots of hugs. <laughs> the illustrations are amazing. When somebody loves you, you say mushy stuff. That word mushy, well, these are first graders, so they don't quite have all the phonics down yet. When somebody loves you, I love this one, you kiss. <laughs> and at the bottom, it's embarrassing. <laughs> when somebody loves you, you get married. Now, I think you'll like this picture, John. Look, the bride is a lot taller than the groom. <laughs> when somebody loves you, you can play kiss tag. <laughs> When somebody likes you, they talk about you all the time. When somebody loves you, you get mad, but you make up. When somebody loves you, this, this little guy had teenage sisters. When my sisters are in love, they come home with all that mushy stuff. And he says, can I go to my room? She says, I'm in love. When somebody loves you, I love the picture here. You can share your umbrella with your friends. Wit your friends. Oh, and this is my favorite one. When you love someone, when somebody loves you, you chase girls. <laughs> oh, yeah, Reese points out he's going, ah! When somebody loves you, you share. I think that's supposed to be share. <laughs> And the best one, when somebody loves you, you can be yourself. Here's the authors and illustrators of the book, so I won't be sued. <laughs> thank you, guys. When some, oh yeah, thank you. There are six verbs that Paul uses to describe the love of Christ for his bride, for you and I, the church. Nourish, cherish. Love, present, gave, sanctify, reminding us how much he loves us. And I love the very first verse of chapter 5. Paul reminds us that when we love each other, we look like God. He says, walk in the same kind of love Jesus has for the church. The church, you and me, every believer in every place around the world. When we read Christ loves the church and gave his life for her, we might as well be reading, Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you, just like that. I love Max Lucado's quote about grace and love. It's one of my favorite. Grace has a drenching about it, a wildness, a white water riptide, turn you upside downness about it. Grace comes after you. And Dallas Willard writes, this is my favorite, God's grace, it affects everything. It's God acting in your life, in your thoughts, in your feelings, in your rest, with unconditional love resting on everything you do and everything you are. Everything we are and everything we do meets the unconditional love of God. Later on in Hebrews 12, 15, Paul says, don't let anyone miss it. Don't let anyone miss the grace of God. We can miss it. We can come here. We can be in this wonderful place. We can sit by somebody who loves us and miss it. We can live our one and only life on earth and fall asleep to the incredible gift that God loves us. You know, Ken and I uh, saw this happen one time uh, when we visited Niagara Falls. 
the oldest state park in the nation. Ken talked me into taking a boat ride on May to the Mist. He wanted to get the first look at an iconic wonder, the Niagara Falls. We arrived at the park just in time to make the last trip of the day. I won't tell you it's because Ken got lost, but it is. <laughs> and out of breath and excited, well, Ken was out of breath and excited. I was nervous because the pamphlet said, experience the thrill of the falls in your face. I didn't want anything in my face, and I really didn't need a thrill. But anyway, we um, made it to the attendant, last people to, wrote, uh, to board the vote, and he gave us this blue parka to put on. And I said, what's this for? And he laughed. He said, put it on, you'll find out. So here is a picture of where the boat went. Oh, wait, the other one. This is a picture of where the boat went. Isn't that crazy? how close we were to those falls. Now, here's a picture of what we look like. <laughs> I was holding on to Ken for dear life, and then I was holding on to the glassed-in helm of the boat. And when I did, I looked into the window and saw the same attendant who had given me a ticket asleep. He was asleep in the middle of a waterfall for crying out loud, I wanted to scream, wake up. Here we are on a boat that seems smaller every second, watching six million gallons of water from the second largest waterfall in the world fall right before our eyes, and he was asleep. To me, made of the mist should have been called made of the soaking because we were soaked and wet as we sat on top of water 180 feet deep. Sad to think, this guy has witnessed something so amazing so many times he was numb to it. Is this what happens to us? Is this what happens to you and I? We've been to church so much, we've been together so many times that we become numb to the unconditional, overwhelming, awesome love of Christ and how he feels about you and me and this church and this place. That's why coming to church, belonging to a church is vital so we can encourage each other not to miss it. Don't miss grace. Leaving our time together should always be different than when we came in, as we remind each other, somebody loves us. Somebody loves you. I felt it today when I came in. When I pulled in the parking lot, there were people out there helping me get in. In fact, uh, somebody said, run, Claudia, run London, because we were freezing. There's something warm for you in there. I mean, I felt love the minute I pulled in the parking lot. I came in, there's food, I love that. I, something about having food when I come in. You're ready for me, it's food, I loved it. There's a place to sign up, there's a lunch coming up. This is an amazing, exciting place, full of love. I was feeling soaked and marinated in it. Paul reminds us to make a personal commitment to church and to each other and to not miss it. Statistically, 15 to 20 million Americans say they are Christians, but they don't want to be a part of a church because they don't feel that when they come in. 80% of churches are declining or plateaued. Plateaued? It's plateaued. People talk about the church Jesus loves. They say things like irrelevant, boring, hypocritical. They're only after money. <laughs> Some of us need to remember, if the church meant that much to Jesus to give his life to it, it ought to mean that much to you and me as well. Now, we're not perfect, and imperfection is going to happen. But the more like Christ we, come, we become, the more we love each other the way he did. And the more the church can be what he intended it to be. You and I coming together, marinating and soaking so much in love that we leave here, leaving wet love 
footprints everywhere we go, splashing out the love of Jesus and reminding a dry and thirsty world that somebody loves us. I just love this place. So thank you for letting me share with you today. I just want us, uh, as we, in just a moment, are going to be just a few moments approaching the communion table. I just want to leave you with this thought about the, the very fact that God is with us, how powerful of a thought that is, that God cares for us so much that he wants to protect us, and he is with us. No matter what you're going through, he is with us. And one of the things, if some of you are visiting and you're wondering, so this place they call the West Side, I mean, what's it all about? We talked about the fact that just understanding the perspective that God loves us, that God cares for us, but what is this place about practically? And I think I can sum it up with three things very quickly. Number one is I believe we're a place where you come as you are. We really mean that, come as you are. Uh, We want you to feel like you don't have to dress a certain way or look a certain way. Matter of fact, I got to be honest with you, I love this building. I absolutely love this building. And I know that's strange. You know, we, we have a prayer room in the bar. We have a disco ball. We have the biggest American flag over a pulpit that you know of in town. I mean, but I love it. You know why? Because it doesn't look like a church. Be honest with you. There's a lot of folks, they just are, for whatever reason, they're really kind of turned off by a church that looks really churchy. But I love the fact when you walk in here that we truly mean this. Come as you are. Second of all, we really believe this, that we believe prayer isn't something you do before the main event. It is the main event. All through this service, folks are praying. In just a few moments at each communion area now, we're going to have folks and they're going to have a, you're going to see a little, little sign that just says prayer warrior. And we want you to know at any time when you're hurting, there's going to be somebody to pray with you. That matters so much to us, that prayer isn't something you do before the main event. It truly is the main event. And then the other one is, we do not want you to come and sit. We want you to come and serve. Uh, we're, not into the, we're not a spectator sport. We can't survive if we were spectators. Uh, can I brag like a parent on his kids? I've got to tell you last week, wow, you were amazing. And I mean that. I mean, I can't believe everything from the parking uh, and everything that was being done, the food that was being delivered, the ushering, everything. And here's the cool thing. As I sat back, I thought, nobody's doing this as if it's a job. They're doing this out of joy and the love. And I had other folks that had never been out here, never visited the West Side. And they said, I can't believe how many people are just working. And I'm like, it's like this all the time. It has to be that way. And that's what I love. That's what I I love about the vision for the summer. And we're going to explain more about that. But think about that. Instead of saying, come to a building, and we're going to have this amazing VBX, we can't because we don't own this building, we're taking VBX to the streets, to the yards. So we're giving you an opportunity to get a team and host uh, in your neighborhood. VBX is right there in your neighborhood. How cool is that? How cool is that? That there are kids maybe that would never come to churches, families that would never go to a church, and yet they might come into your backyard and for the first time hear about Jesus Christ. That's what the church is all about. We can do that because we know we're loved. We can do that because of God's protection. That's what God is all about. I'd like to, in just a moment, I'd like you all to stand. We're going to have a song. I just want you to think about, maybe this is a place you want to call your church. Maybe this is a place you're like, you know what, I need a home. I need a place that I can grow and serve in. And we want to always open up our arms and say, hey, we'd love to have you come join us. Do we know where we're going? Absolutely not. We don't know where God's going to take this thing. 
But I love surprises, and I love to see what God's going to do through us, the church that he loves with all his heart. Let's stand.